to the Driving for Better Business podcast, celebrating women working in transport, fleet management and road safety. Today, I am delighted to welcome Meryl Roberts, who is the Contract and Performance Team Leader at National Highways. Meryl, welcome to our podcast and thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you. Can you share with us, Meryl, your journey so far in working in the highway sector, which led you to taking your current role? Uh, yes, I can. Um, I've been quite privileged, really, in uh, joining uh, Department for Transport many years ago. And of course, National Highways wasn't a, a thing at that time. And um, I, I was able to take on lots of different roles throughout the civil service, really, which has given me uh, quite a broad experience. And um, through that, I managed to uh, transfer to what was the earlier version of National Highways. And uh, I've worked in contract teams, I've delivered schemes, I've worked in finance, commercial and procurement, I've purchased land, uh, and then uh, worked my way through to uh, National Operations where I was uh, able to set up the uh, customer contact centre there. And that's led to delivering lots of different operational services. So, in essence, I've sort of built my experience over many years, really, and, and worked with lots of very different and diverse teams. Well, that sounds like some fantastic experience you've got there. So I've been lucky enough myself to have visited Quinton recently, where the, the national and the regional traffic operation centres are based, or the NTOC and ROC, as they're also known. So I've seen firsthand how, how busy your customer services team are. Um, can you tell us sort of how you and your team support the customers who use the road network? Yes, um, as you say, that there are quite a few different teams based at uh, the Quinton office. Um, we're the National Traffic Operations Centre, and as such, look after the, the whole of the network. So it's one of the few offices in National Highways that covers the whole of the strategic network. And uh, we have the customer contact centre there that works 24-7, three, six, five days, answering frontline services. And we also have um, the strategic traffic operations, which uh, in essence means that we have operators who set strategic signs and the national incident liaison officers who keep their sort of eyes and ears open for critical incidents that um, impact the network. So we are very interested in um, the impact of an incident and looking at um, the information around that incident. So it leaves the regional office to tactically manage the incident, mobilise the traffic officers, while our office is actually looking at what information can we give to customers? What signs can we set uh, that gives the customer the opportunity to, to make key decisions about their journey? Um, and they can either take a break or take an alternative route but it, it's so that the uh, information they get is far enough away from the incident to enable them to make those uh, key decisions. Uh, the data that we have it's quite the you know particular data to the centre really uh, and it's collected from assets on the network we receive the data in the centre, it's processed and verified, and that happens every minute. 
so the data comes into the office, it goes out to America, comes back again, and that is happening once a minute. So it's very real-time information. And then that's disseminated to um, all sorts of businesses, not only national highways. So it enables other companies to also use that data to provide traffic information services and in-car services. So people probably don't realise that, um, that that's shared so far afield and they don't have to pay us for the data either. That's amazing to know that. And I think it'd be fair to say, Mel, that national highways, um, a lot of people just think that they're responsible for building and maintaining the motorways. But from what you've just said there, that's not the case, is it? They do do a lot more than that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we build, operate and maintain over 4,300 miles of motorways and major A roads. And there's over 4 million journeys travelled every day. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the data that we collect from assets on the network and from um, sort of mobile devices means that we, we have that real-time information about what's happening. Uh, that's shared with, uh, with traffic providers and, and uh, we, can met, we could probably mention a few that people would, would be very familiar with that they, they know about, that they use on their phones and use in-car systems. But we also work with communities and stakeholders, and that's probably a part that, that people don't realise, um, so that we can sort of deliver uh, a social value and a communi community benefit to, to leave um, a sort of lasting legacy, if you like, uh, which um, then leads on to supporting key messages about pollution that can affect some towns and villages, reminding road users about important safety messages. So it's a, a bit of an extension of, of, of just that engineering capability. Uh, we also work closely with organisations who are, are planning events uh, that, are, that attract thousands of visitors. Uh, more recently, we were very uh, active in giving information to the Department of Transport when they were uh, planning the, um, the, the complex uh, detail that was involved with Operation London Bridge. Uh, we support lots of sporting events. Um, activities that take place at Wembley or the National Exhibition Centre, uh, Commonwealth Games. So we're able to uh, provide signing, uh, put, put out useful information that would direct people to uh, car parking spaces and to, to let them know what's happening in, in and around that, that area. Um, and we also help with the um, strategic signing and timing of roadworks so that the uh, project teams that are planning roadworks can actually vary the time so that the roadworks aren't suddenly going on the network at the same time as someone leaving a very busy uh, football event so that they then all get stuck in the traffic which is impacted by the uh, the roadworks. That's so interesting and, and it just goes to show how much interaction and engagement is happening with communities that that many of us wouldn't even think about yes that's right so it, it, it's it, you know we're not just um building roads and uh, and, and causing problems to people uh, it, it's it's actually being very proactive and looking at how we can now help these people on the network fantastic
The strategic road network is at the core of our national transport system. Its performance is important to the whole of the country. So what can you tell us about its performance, Meryl? Yeah, so the, the, the network, as it says, it, it, it's, uh, it links people to the places, um, materials to manufacturers and goods to markets. Um, it's really important for lots of companies that have critical deadline to, to deliver goods to uh, supermarkets. Um, and, um, and, and it has you know, an impact upon how much they're paid. If their delivery is late, then, then they do, um, you know, that they have to, to pay a forfeit for that. So it's very important that we work with them and give them the information so that they can plan their journeys. And um, lots of the team at, uh, in the National Centre work very closely with these organisations so that we can make sure when we're planning any, uh, any roadworks or anything that's likely to compromise the, the network, that they're aware of it. And we, uh, we've, we've actually consulted some of these companies directly so that we're delivering that information uh, to them in a format that they can use. And part of the, the current contract that I manage is actually now working on how we can deliver that data in a simpler way so that they can use it um, in, in, a, in, a, in an easier way to help plan. Uh, so if you imagine that they've got to plan routes, uh, both for the safety of their driver, but also to ensure that the um, perishable goods are delivered on time. And um, this... The, the, our network will then also support people who are just travelling to, to, to work on a daily basis, which, which now has increased uh, after COVID, home deliveries um, and, and, you know, visiting friends and family holidays and, and things like that. Um, but it's interesting to know that the network carries 34% of all traffic and 68% of that is freight. Um, we move three times more people than the rail network. So it sort of puts into context uh, how important the, the strategic road network is to, to the economy. Definitely. And we touched a bit there about engaging with communities and keeping them informed. We also know that National Highways likes to engage with their customers and get them involved in consultations and surveys. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, yes, that's right. So, so I mentioned I, I joined uh, this department uh, many years ago, and at that time we didn't think about road users as customers. We were a very engineer-based organisation, but I'm very pleased to say that that has now changed, and our key imperatives include include the fact that we must put safety first for for our customers. And we do work hard to ensure that not only do we engage with, with all of the community and, and the users of the network, but that everyone who works at National Highways is also able to connect to and understand why we do what we do. And there are uh, many ways in which we, we, we talk to our customers and uh, different surveys and consultations that we, we can use uh, to, so that they feel that they can have a say about what, what we're planning. So we, um, we have customer insight services, which um, actually underpin our customer service strategy that we, we have set out. And 
as you probably picked up, we've got a very diverse group of people that use the strategic road network in many different ways. And uh, there's a variety of ways in which customers can get involved. Um, the um, transport focus, that's one of our regulators, have uh, a strategic road user survey known as ESRUS. And this asks drivers about specific journeys that they've taken in the last four weeks. Um, and this has involved traveling on our network. This reaches out to 21,000 customers each month. Uh, there are other sort of more internal insight surveys called High View, and that, that complements the ESRUS survey, but also asks people about their journey experience. Um, but it's a little bit more detailed and perhaps a little bit more specific and, and flexible about the type of journey that they've taken. Um, we have customer panels and freight panels, um, and they're used to explore and understand um, responses to perhaps different types of signs that we've set. So we, we do try and react to customer feedback that we get, um, and that's often from transport focus. And we vary our campaign messages and the type of signs that we set. So we get specific feedback about those. And of course, we use social media. So that's very real time and, and good feedback that we get about particular incidents or things that are happening. Um, there are lots of other ways of, of us receiving uh, feedback just by correspondence and people telephoning the contact centre. Um, and then also uh, specific audits are undertaken to support some of the um, uh, particular projects that are happening and Ipsos Mori um, undertake independent assessments uh, where we've got particular areas where complaints are, are perhaps higher than others um, so that we can sort of look at how, how that project is, is working and, and, and make again changes to, to, um, to support some of the feedback that, that we're getting. Um, but uh, but again, in real time, it's um, it's important that people contact contact us through the contact centre, and they will either deal with the inquiry themselves or direct it to a, a particular part of the um, of national highways uh, if it's something sort of more um, bespoke or, or specific to a particular project. So I guess from what you're saying there, Marilyn, it's really important to us that customers do contact us and give us their feedback and their thoughts and their experiences so we can make a positive difference. Absolutely, yes. And, and of course, we've got our um, web-based services uh, through the um through through the website uh, where they can use uh, echo uh, and and this is fed directly back to the projects and and we do get um uh, echo feedback about our uh, traffic england website that's also used uh, for real-time information so one thing that i think you mentioned earlier in the conversation was engagement and language is really important to national highways so why does national highways refer to road users as customers so I think principally, um, we connect the country through maintaining and, and improving the SRN. Um, and we, we provide real-time information about the network. And we do this for the people that use it. So it, it, it's a subtle difference from having a customer that walks into a shop 
um, but but actually these these are the customers of our network and sometimes they don't really have much choice in in how else they travel they've got to travel on our network so it's important that um, we let people know that we care about them we care about their journey um, with the key focus upon keeping uh, people safe I think that would be really reassuring to many people who use the road networks on every day. So one thing you also touched on was about signage and incidents when you see things happening on the network. So every year we still see, unfortunately, many incidents involving drivers and roadworks. So many of these we know are due to a combination of distraction, fatigue and fast speeds. Um, when you see these incidents unfolding, what should customers be doing to minimise the risk? How can we work together to reduce them? I think it's important that um, road users pay attention to, to the signs. It's very easy to quickly drive past them. Perhaps they've previously seen a sign that they didn't believe or didn't think um, gave them the right message. Um, but the, the signs are there for a reason. Um, that They are often triggered by the speed of travel uh, on the network. Um, and so it's important that people take the time, just slow down a little and think about what could be happening uh, uh, up ahead. Um, we do consider how we design our traffic management to ensure that roadworks um, are easy to follow. It can be confusing for people, but that is something, again, which we've worked over time to, to improve. But in principle, road users are asked to follow the speed limit when, when travelling through um, roadworks. Um, and that, that really then leads to avoiding confusion um, and uh, perhaps, you know, driving into someone who, who's in, in front of them and that sort of thing. So it, it's giving yourself space and time and giving the respect to other people so that they feel that they're, they've got space and time and you're not, you know, you're not driving very close to the vehicle in front. You talked there about adapting your driving style to the scenario that you can see out in front. We know that we're leaving summer behind now and we're moving into autumn with its darker evenings and colder weather conditions. So what sort of typical things tend to catch drivers out in the autumn and winter? Uh, how should we be driving differently, maybe, to what we do in the warmer and drier mm -hmm. summer months? So I think at this time of the year, we uh, we have that, the variance of um, heavy rain, um, which then creates spray and, and that will impact visibility. Um, then other times you have that very low sun, which again can, can really impact your vision um, and how much you can see. Um, so always allow extra time so that you've got extra time for braking, so this is leaving a good space between you and the vehicle in front of you. Um, but also check that you have the correct lights. Um, it, it, you know, you've put the right lights on your vehicle. Um, there are a number of cars that have um, lights that come on automatically uh, these days. They're sort of most more recent vehicles. And you, you may notice that some vehicles are driving and they haven't got their lights on. And that's because 
the light hasn't quite triggered the lights to come on their vehicles, particularly when it's this half light or at dusk. So it's quite a simple thing. Just check yourself and you can manually put your lights on um, because it, you, you probably don't think about it and think that you, your lights to come on, but they, they then haven't and you, you're not that visible um, in your vehicle. Um, following the clock change, you, you, you're now suddenly driving home in the dark um, because of the, the different time zones. So make sure that um, you've, you've actually checked your eyesight. And it seems, to, you know, a bit of a, a strange thing to say, actually. But suddenly you, you realise that actually your sight has, has uh, deteriorated, um, particularly working with with IT and things like that so it's important that you have regular checkups and, and that you've got the right sort of um, support if your your eyesight has deteriorated the other one is to keep your windscreen clear uh, particularly when the sun's shining on the windscreen because the inside of it can can be um, quite smudged so that's something else to to, to to bear in mind so these seem pretty obvious things to say but it's uh, amazing how many people don't actually carry out some of those simple things really which can make a, a real difference and I've heard a lot of car drivers actually comment about driving at, at night time and the glare from the from other other vehicle lights on their windscreen um, mm -hmm. in fact I've heard many people say they've actually refused to drive in the dark now because they feel safer not to do so yes yes that's that's exactly right um, and I think um, the the other impact is if you you're wearing contact lenses funnily enough uh, and the glare can be worse when you, you're wearing contact lenses so uh, again people perhaps won't need to change to wearing a pair of glasses in the evening which is easier said than done if you've been out for the evening but they are you know just simple cosmetic things that you can you can do but but actually it's quite sensible to do that that's a good tip. Meryl, have you got any more top tips or requests about planning and being prepared for driving in autumn and winter? I think, yes, there, there are a few simple things that you can just think about. Um, and I, I would say this really, prepare, and, uh, uh, prepare your journey, look for travel updates, check your journey before you, you leave uh, to, to go to your destination. Try and ensure that your phone is charged. Perhaps have um, a phone charger in, in the car so that you're not caught out um, and that your phone has contact numbers for assistance should you need it. The contact centre number is a good one to have in there. Um, and uh, understanding what to do if you do break down. Uh, again, all of this information is, is on our website, but uh, it's, um, there's been lots of um, adverts recently uh, about what to do if you, if you break down on the network. Um, the sensible thing is to, to have your vehicle checked, tyres, wipers, windscreens and, and screen wash. That's another important one when we, we start hitting the, um, the season of, of, of winter. Um, and I do have in the back of my car a bag which has got um, a brightly coloured uh, colour. It's, it's a high-vis jacket. Uh, so, it's, uh, so I've got a bag with a, a jacket in there. And I've also got a very old pair of walking boots because if you're caught out and have to 
clamber over a, a safety barrier or stand at the side of the motorway. Um, it's very cold, no matter what uh, season. Um, and you, you often may not be wearing a pair of sensible shoes. So that's, it's nothing, it's not much to have, but it really helps out in the back of your car. Uh, make sure you're fit to drive and that you, you're not tired or fatigued. Um, and I think my final my final ask would be understand where you are on the network. Don't just rely on your sat nav. Um, I have these conversations with my children because they tend to just get in the car and put it in the sat nav. And they, if, they, if they were broken down, they wouldn't really know where they were on the network. So I think have an understanding of at least where basically where you're going and, and where you are on the network. And if anything should happen, then at least you can alert someone and, and let them know. Marilyn, somebody who has um, experienced a blowout on a, a tyre on a vehicle and stood on the side of the, the motorway, I can definitely support your top tip there of a high-vis, warm coat, sensible boot and knowing your location because that definitely helped me when I was stood there. Yeah, absolutely. And turn your mobile phone to vibrate so that you can hear it if anyone's trying to call you. That's the other tip. So you wouldn't necessarily hear it ring while you're on the side of the motorway because it's quite a hostile environment isn't it absolutely yes it is um it is an experience that i wouldn't want to repeat in a hurry let's put it like that <laughs> that's right um, so as you know meryl this is a series of podcasts and articles that are here to help celebrate successful women working in transport but to also showcase the diverse range of roles available to them now, I know that you're co-chair of the Leading Women's Network and an Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Champion. So I couldn't possibly let you go today without asking you to tell us more about this and why it's so important to you. Mm -hmm. No, that's right. So I, um, I'm quite excited to say that very recently I became a co-chair and um, Amy Lynch, who also works for National Highways, um, jointly shares that, that role with me. Uh, Mel Clark, who some of you may know, um, set up the Leading Women Network and uh, she recently handed over the, the baton to, to Amy and myself. So um, we've done a lot of work really over the past few years to, to raise our profile and uh, very proud that in 2020 we were winners of the Employee Network of the Year. And what I particularly like is, is that we provide so many interesting forums and we talk about lots of different subjects which range from um, looking after your health, uh, keeping safe and also about career development. But we, we have um, a very uh, diverse um, membership across national highways um, and everyone enjoys sharing their experiences, uh, sharing their stories um, and helping each other really. It's, it's, a, it's a good way of, of, of doing that. And during COVID we held lots of um, what we call bite-sized sessions. So we did that through, through teams and talked about lots of different subjects and we invited speakers to, to share information with us. Um, so that was a great way to to network. Um, but now we're delighted that we can meet face to face and we're now planning our next event 
which is on the 17th of November. Um, and this is uh, has a real focus upon the power of your brand. Uh, so we're very keen to broaden our links with similar networks across different organisations. Um, and we're sort of learning from them and sharing resources. And um, I'm delighted to say that we have the support of um, people from our supply chain at, at this next event. So uh, we're just in the throes of finalising the agenda for that and sending out invites. Uh, so that's quite exciting. So um, I feel very privileged to be involved in that and to be able to, to lead um, a great uh, team of, of uh, people who are supporting us. And um, we hope to do some very exciting things next year and planned for International Women's Day in, in March as well. Carol, that sounds like a great support network and community to get involved in. I think I'm going to make a note of that, Meryl, and we may come back to you following um, next year's yes. International Women's Day to find out how you've got on there. Yeah, that would be really exciting. Yes, super. Meryl, thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing your story and top tips with us. Uh, you're very welcome. Yes, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. So for those of you who want to know more about driving for better business and the benefits to managing and reducing your road risk, please take a look at our website at drivingforbetterbusiness.com. Thank you. Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.